Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Scarlet Supporters Podcast. You can contact us on all the usual social media platforms or you can email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Scarlet Supporters Podcast with me, Lee G. And joining me as always is Martin and Hugh. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Lee. Evening, boys. How are we doing? Yeah, not. A, I thought you'd frozen then, Matt. I thought you'd 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 completely. It's the look of that stunned look on your face <laughs> from. Oh my God! I've got to use my phone because my son just wrecked my laptop. I think. Yeah, I, I think it was more the introduction as Martin than anything, and it was quite unusual, you know. Oh, big M. I've had a couple of weeks off, mate. Then I'm I'm all over the place. <laughs> ah, you're fine, but you're fine. So how is the laptop? Did did it recover in any way, shape, or form? If anything, it got worse. Um, <laughs> it started off with a little crack in the left corner, and you know the second time he showed me, it had gone to full screen. So uh, fun. Someone's popular in your house, then. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'd say he's been demoted to downstairs, but he he loves being downstairs. Apparently, the internet is better down there. <laughs> cool cool well let's crack on with some scarlet stuff and some rugby stuff then gents and let's let's do some some scarlet stuff first so um the only real news coming out of scarlet's last week was the new awaken so what what did we all make of the new awaken well, i like it is it sorry go on man. <laughs> Yeah, we, we need to work out a time in issue with this, and do, yeah. do, do we rotate? Is it do I go first, then you go first, or because you know Lee is obviously main host here, isn't he? Yeah. Go on, Mark. You so, go first. Let's, let's do that. You go first, Mark. All right, and uh, you know I, I quite like the kit. It's uh, it's different, obviously, especially with the color. I think uh, everyone will have an opinion on the color. The whole coastal outlines, I, I like the concept. I, I don't think it's been executed as well as it could have, but, you know, I've, I've been down to the shop. I've seen your in person, and it, it does look really nice. I am I am pretty happy with the away kit. Mm. And price? Uh, we, we shouldn't talk about the price. <laughs> let's, let's not move on to the negative so quickly. Yeah. Hugh, what, what, what did you make of it, mate? Well, there was the big debate on Twitter, was there? Is it blue? Is it green? Uh, the <laughs> Scarlet's press release said it was sea green. You said it was green, Lee. But mm. then the website said it was blue. Mm. So uh, we can have that raging debate all season. What colour is the Scarlet's kit? It can be the new, that black and blue, gold and white yeah. dress. What That's what I was Scarlet's thinking. I, I, yeah. was, I was looking at it and I was thinking, when you go on to order it, it says blue. And I'm like, I don't want the blue kit. The blue kit was last year. 
surely surely the blue kit was the training gear the, you know the leisure wear gear from last year i want i want the green kit but yeah it's... yeah so but i i've unfortunately already gone into writing on a post i did previously about i'm not a castor fan no. um they they have a kind of design thing if you go on their website and read about all the things they say about themselves and all the things they say about other brands they're quite snobby they're quite uh oh all other clubs are supplied by a small clique of suppliers we're a premium brand and we prestige we've got all this material technology and things it's kind of a bit off-putting for me mm-hmm. um so um i like the idea of having the outline of the um coast i think it's good i like this trend of kits that we're seeing because i look at a lot of kits and uh, seeing all the patterns and things they're putting on the shirts and moving away from like just being plain. Um, I don't know. Uh, so for me, this one misses the mark a little bit, but I believe Mark, if it looks better in person, then maybe I need to see it, see it used in the game when we can see us wear it against Glasgow for no reason, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does now, seem well, to be a couple of games look, look every season that. So there's always a couple of games every season where there's no need to wear the change kit, and we always do, isn't it? Do you remember that we... Bath game last time we played Bath in the in the Champions Cup? Both teams wearing grey, right? <laughs> but you, you do get, and everyone was going, "What's going on with this?" No one can work it out. And then we've had games against the Dragons where there has been a kit clash because we both had the same. Anyway. Mm. So yeah, ranting now, but you are right. There's always games every season where you wear your alternate kit, and there's no need to. Hmm. What were you going to say, Matt? Well, you know, seeing it in person, I think it's more of a sort of a teal, sort of turquoisey sort of colour in it. You know, it's uh, I I wouldn't class it as green or blue. It is, you know, somewhere mixed in between, and mm. it's it's not an easy mix either. But yeah, there is always uh, the odd away game, well, home game where we change kits for some random reason. I know yeah. there's, you know, a requirement in the contract that you have to play X amount of games in each kit, which is, you know, kind of weird, you know, considering, you know, we should have this all planned out from the moment we bloody sign these contracts. Which games are we playing in it? Which kit, like? Because hmm. it would only really clash with Monster, couldn't it? Because yeah. that's the only side it really clashes with. Lions. The Lions red now, are they? True. Well, they're yeah, red and white today. Mm, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. See, for, for me, I think that green um, is meant to reflect, like I say, the sea, the sea around the coast. So I, I, like, I like that connection. Um, and I can see bits of the coast where it's a lovely sea green colour. And I think, yeah, that's great. But then most of our most of our sea coast at the minute, given the, the current state of affairs, is more of a greeny brown than it is a greeny blue. So yeah, mm. I'm glad we didn't go with reality and we went with this this kind of the sea is a lovely let's say teal colour. So. so 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 the hardcore question is will you be buying the kit? So Mart, are you gonna be buy you buy everything anyway. So are you gonna buy that kit? I will buy it. I won't buy it yet. I'll I'll wait for it to hit sub fifty before I'll uh, before I'll touch it. Uh, once they get the uh, you know the the smaller size kits in, because they haven't got anything below you know junior small at the minute, so everything nine and under 
just doesn't exist in the shop. So once then they start coming in, I'll probably you know pick one or two of them up for my kids. Hmm. Hugh, what about you, mate? I, I think I know uh, this one. I'm desperate to buy a bit of Scarlet's merch. I haven't bought anything since we had Brad Moore and I bought one of those flat caps. Um, <laughs> but sadly, no, I'm not going to be passing with my money on this one. Hmm. I, I think I'm probably on the fence if i was going to choose red or green i'd probably go green just because of the the design of the uh, uh the coast but yeah for me it's a little bit pricey at the minute and i'll probably do the same as you martin wait till it comes down a little and then then we'll see we'll see how much i i love the club then uh, so yeah <laughs> so moving on then there was actually a game to report on last week with the academy um academy players so um mark this is usually your area of expertise uh did you did you manage to get the game or what what have you heard about the game uh unfortunately i couldn't get down it was uh this past friday um the missus uh decided to book an impromptu uh holiday away down uh puth call you know puth call in the middle of summer is uh it's quite nice, except, you know, it rains most of the time. You know, it doesn't mm. matter where you are in Wales, you're going to get the rain. But, uh, no, a, a, quite a big under-18s game to kick off the season. You know, Scarlets against Saracens. Uh, quite a few boys from last season held on, but, you know, majority were new boys. So, you know, a, a lot of new faces coming in. And it was quite a resounding win, 56-33. Mm. So, you know... I, I know there's differences in the two academies between Wales and England, but you know, you're talking, you know, a four score win over probably the you know the best side in England. You you don't want to cock your nose up at that. No, absolutely. And, yeah. and to top it off, you know, out of these boys, we got six of them who are now away this week with Wales under eighteen. So it's mm. it's it's good good signs in the under eighteens at the minute. Mm. And. Uh... My favourite player, Tian Sparrow, was back from injury as well and uh, was his usual wrecking ball self. So he's another one that I am keeping an eye on, looking forward to seeing him coming through in the future. I, he, he's he's not your typical seven. He's gangly, skinny, he's massively fit. And he just seems to get into tiny little cracks in rocks and nick the ball and go, thank you very much. He's um, he's one of those players that I watched a lot last season. And I think if we get a chance to see him again this season, particularly the concern is, is that they'll, they'll make him bulk up, you know, and how that affects his game when he's bulked up. But yeah, lots of good stuff coming through from Academy. So then we move on to the negative stuff of the Barbarians game. Uh, so the Wales versus Barbarians game, which uh, I think we spoke about last time, but it's been mm. confirmed now that it clashes, it definitely clashes with uh, Scarlet versus Cardiff. Um, Hugh, what do you make of it, mate? Well, yeah, like you say, Lee, we covered it last time, I think. Mm. It's a shame. I feel like they tried to sneak it out. Obviously, they dressed it up as the Alan Wynne Jones tribute game, which mm. is bizarre because I can't think of anything less Alan Wynne Jones than that. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, they. I think they they've done it on the same day as the team announcement for England. So I think they tried to hide it with that as well. Um, yeah, and I, I was to, talking to our mutual friend, Dr. Harley Worthy. Shout out, Harley, if you're listening. And um, he was pointing out that from a Cardiff point of view, based on the fact that all of the non-Welsh-based players won't be available, um, there's a good chance that Cardiff won't be able to field a, a 23 for the Scarlets game because they'll have players all with Wales. And he was joking that, well, with the new loan system... Scarlets are going to have to sub Cardiff some players to play against us. Um, it, yeah, so I'm not any more of a fan of it. You know, Wales rugby can't do something right for doing something wrong. You know, um, we beat England. Everyone's feeling quite positive all of a sudden. And then, oh, no, here we go. We are. We don't care at all about the uh, the domestic game. It's on the same weekend as Ospreys are doing their big show over in London as well. Um so yeah, so not any more of a fan um, of it than I was previously, and I'd, I'd like to be at the start of the revolution with you guys. So let's print the I wasn't at the Principality T-shirt. So let's pack the park and uh, show the WIU exactly what it is that we're really here for. Mm. Well, I will have a spare bit of time on my hands over the coming weeks, so um, a, a new range of T-shirts will be available on uh, on the shop. What? One that says, I would have bought this in the Scarlet shop, and one that says, I wasn't at the Millennium Stadium. <laughs> so anybody's got any requests for any T-shirts, let me know, and I'll just, I'll, I'll make sure they're in there. But So, Martin, what, what did you make of it? Oh, I, I think you already know my opinion. I'm absolutely devastated. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't believe that they they would do they would they would just do this to us again repeatedly. It's it's time after time after time, and you know we've just had all the the sort of positive you know coming forwards. You know the new, you know the new PRA agreement or six year funding, blah blah blah. It's going to be better. No, it's not. We've had a prime slot, a good kickoff time on a Saturday afternoon, our first home game of the season. And what do you do? Oh, we're going to take all your best players and, uh, you know, we'll have a match at the same time. I mean, where's the sense in it? We we could have, you know, got got into the 10,000s in this game if we, if we pushed it properly. You know, mm. a, a big derby against Cardiff to open the season at home. Especially if Wales you know, have gone would... well in the World Cup. Mm. Yeah. It, I, I'm just, I am devastated is the word I can use for it. It, it doesn't make sense to me. I know they need money, but there's other ways to do it than, you know, messing up the regions because they want us to, you know, improve our commercial side of things. Mm. Well, how are we going to do that when we can't fill out those stadiums and no one's going to want to watch us when you're playing? Well, see, I, I think that there might actually be a bit of a supporters backlash on this. I think supporters might go actually... Nah, up yours. We'll, I, I purposely make the effort to go and watch Scarlets and Cardiff. Do you know what I mean? And ju- just for the sake of to show the WYU that actually you can't keep doing this. I say that 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 game could have been played on a Sunday. You know, you'd have still, you'd if anything, you'd have had more supporters go to watch that Barbars game if it was on a Sunday or on a what it is on the Saturday afternoon, isn't it? Yeah. So they yeah. could have played it on the Friday night 
on the Friday night probably would have been a bigger game, you know, in terms of Cardiff, in terms of pulling people in from further afield and things like that. And could have actually benefited Scarlet's Cardiff game with people going, oh, well, I'll, you know, we'll do the Friday night in Cardiff and then I'll go down to Snesley on Saturday and things like that. So I think it was a massive opportunity missed by the WIU. But I, I hope and I think supporters will start to to demonstrate with their wallet and say, actually, no, we're, we're going to go and watch Cardiff and, and, and Scarlet's down in Snesley regardless of, of who's playing, you know, what players are released and this, that and the other. And we're going to make a, a point of of saying that the WRU need to stop it. That's my hope, anyway. That's my hope. I'm starting the campaign now. Join me. I'll be marching at the front with a T-shirt on, available from the, shirt, uh, from the, 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 the shop. <laughs> but, you know, that, that just says you, you, you can't do this to, to, to regions. You, you can't keep shafting them time after time after time and and not expect something to come back your way on that. So anyway, we'll leave that <laughs> one there because that's that's just not gonna get any better at all. And when, what's the actual date of that game? It's it's kind of November, isn't it? Isn't it November fifth? It's the week after the World Cup final. Yeah. I've got November 5th in my head as a, a rough time. So it's a roundabout there that we would... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, I'll see how quick I can get my bloody diary up and, and go in here. Uh, August, September, October, November. Yeah, it'll be the 4th. Yeah, so, uh, November the 4th. So we got a while of whinging, moaning, complaining and getting a few people together to say, actually, yeah, I'm going to go watch... Regions over a fucking joke of a uh, uh, a fixture in Cardiff on that one. I'm not even going to excuse my French on that. So that's the way it goes. Right. So let's have a let's have a chat about the Wales game from last weekend. So, Q, what uh, what interesting facts and magic numbers have you got for us from? Uh, from the Wales game or, or from the England Wales England game. Okay, so this is the the new bit of the podcast, which is huge magic numbers that we're doing. Uh, I've got two two stats for you. Uh, one is uh, not Scarlet's related, but one is very Scarlet's related in any good way. So first one is that uh, how bad were England? Well, they had seventy eight percent of their possession in Wales is half and scored zero tries. That is remarkably crap attack that is like <laughs> yeah, that is like definitely yeah you won't you won't see that kind of those kind of numbers come out very often and then so the my other stat is that uh obviously with danny Kerr and ben young's being the england nines for the world cup there's a lot of chat about how just england aren't bringing through players in certain positions and scrum half being one of them and i just checked out of interest so in the last 10 years, Scarlet's have had three scrum halves go on and play for Wales. Alad Davis, Gareth Davis and Kieran Hardy. Uh, and between them, they've got 105 caps. So if you add up all of the caps that are given to players for England who aren't uh, Ben Youngs or Danny Kerr in the last 10 years, it comes to 47 caps. 
So the Scarlets are twice as good at producing scrum halves for international level as the whole of England. <laughs> I like that. I, I like really that like stat. That. Yeah. And if you add in Dane Blacker, probably should have been capped ah, when he was at the Scarlets yes. as well. You know, um, yeah. he deserved the cap because at the time he was on fire. So, I think uh, we'll be chucking in Harry Williams before too long as well. No, not Harry Williams. Archie Hughes. Archie Hughes. Yeah. 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 Harry's gone and he's up to Jersey or no, Trailer Finders, wasn't it? He would. Nottingham. One of them. Yeah. One of them. He Ampel. 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 Yeah. I think it might be Amtel, actually. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's well normally either Jersey or Amtel, isn't it? Yeah. With Paul Turner, wasn't it? Paul Turner's yeah. at Amtel. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. But that. that's, that's a, a semi pro setup. So he's going to have to get a job as well. Well, talking to people who no longer have jobs that are still playing rugby, um, Halfpenny made his 100th cap on on the weekend. He had to go and sign on in the morning. He had to go and yes. sign on at the, on, at the dole and get his £24.57 for the week. Uh, and then he had to turn out for Wales in the afternoon. But um, I, I know he's technically no longer a Scarlet, but, you know, he still wants a Scarlet, always a Scarlet sort of a thing. Hell of an achievement for a guy that spent half of his career injured. Mm, he should have got a hundred a long time ago. He should have been on. He should be on about 120, 130 by now. Um, but yeah, it, I declare my bias. Lee Halfeddy was one of my very first favourite players, um, and watching his career go from this quite small kid playing on the wing for Cardiff Blues to what he did with Wales, becoming arguably the best fullback in the world for a period of time, and then. Um, yeah, getting his hundred and being obviously, I was there to see him get his hundred. It was special for me. So, yeah, mm. if if you're listening, Lee, come on the pod. I want to tell you how much I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Top mate. Without without trying to put too much of a downer on it, um, you know, obviously, yeah, he deserves a hundred caps for you know the career he has had. But I I am quite surprised he's made that hundred considering he couldn't get into you know the Scarlets fifteen, you know in the back end of the season. But now you know he's capable of getting to the Wales twenty three. It's mm. you know it's it it boggles your mind how you know selection processes and things work. You know how much faith is put in with what you've done in the past. Yeah, and I think a lot of it with Gatland is he uses training camps as a bit of a, a, a tester and, you know, Wales play a very different game to the Scarlets and Halfpenny's probably more suited to a Wales game than he is to a Scarlets game now. You know, he isn't quick enough, probably lost a, a, a little bit of pace and a little bit of fitness, but I'll be fair to the guy, you know, he's he's only tiny, but when he put those tackles, every time he goes into a tackle, I get this feeling that ah, uh, there, there we he go. Wins. He's off. Yeah, see if he gets up. Let's see if he's if he's still on the pitch after this tackle. But for those, you know, if it's possible to work on your technique at his age, then then he has. And I I felt he was rock solid in defence. Um, nothing special in attack. I don't remember anything in attack where, you know, I thought, come on, let's have it. But yeah, defence. He's more of a he's more of a playmaker than a than a. Actual strike runner these days, I think. Yeah, and I think that comes from losing that edge of pace, doesn't it? It's just mm, yeah. you just got that thing. 
So you hinted here, Hugh, that you you were at the ground on on Saturday. Did you find a parking space for us, fella? I did. I went. I booked in Q Park. Thank you, Lee, for the tip. Uh, uh, walked down. I don't know what it's called. That a really boulevard type place, place, isn't it? Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, summer series. I don't know what it was, but it was summer. I was there was a gale blowing down there. It was freezing. <laughs> and I'm looking at the missus and we're like nearly get she's nearly getting blown away in the winds and I'm there in my waterproof and the things. And we got inside, my ears were stinging. That, that's how cold it was. Really? Um yeah, honestly, it was it was horrible. <laughs> but after the game when when the baddies had been vanquished, uh everybody came out and the sun was shining and the wind had gone, all the clouds had gone, so it was lovely. Um but yeah, uh Great. Uh, it was fun being there. It's my first time seeing England, my first time seeing Wales versus England in person. Uh, I was very lucky to get tickets off a, a, a friend of a family member who couldn't go. Um, and yeah, had decent seats uh, on the side. Um, I love going to the stadium. I've been to Twickenham a few times recently and our stadium faces on their stadium. I'm sorry, guys. Um, and I, with all warm-up games, uh, at first I was like well I'm not that fussed about how this one goes and then I saw a few England fans and I saw all their their posh haircuts and things and um, how they were singing Swing Low and I thought oh, I can't be losing to this lot I can't I can't be coming to this and watching this lose to this um, so yeah and then um, yeah job done so I had fun the, the what something that was really good in the stadium that wasn't captured really on TV was the big fire show as the as the uh, themes came out, there was mm. like, there must have been. It looked like there's about 20 of them, like all across the pitch. Yeah, and there's just... loads and it, loads of different. And it's all choreographed and you had DJ Navidi doing all his thing. Um, so it was good fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed my day out. Yeah, well, we, we get that. I think helped. we got about six pyros at the Scarlets, you know, down the park. And it's, it, it keeps you warm. But yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's nothing on the on the millennium. It is a, a different kettle of fish entirely. Well, when they started that, they started with just two. The, the very first time they did it, they had two towers of fire either side of players as they came out. And as Wales came out, these towers of fire went up. And in the next game, there was like little mini towers all around the outside. And like I say, it was choreographed. So it go bum, 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 and you just thought, yeah, this it, it adds to something. And like you say, if you're down the front, particularly if you're down the the, the front, you go, you got to start stripping off. You've got to start taking <laughs> you down to your t-shirt and pants before kickoff, like you know, because it's really, really hot. So, but I, I like that part of it. I, I like yeah. that. That something kind of... we um something we get wrong with the scarlets a bit with that kind of thing is the fog afterwards yeah. when they've let all the fireworks off and then the fog sits on the pitch and the commentator's going I'd love to tell you what's going on but uh, all yeah, the fog from the fireworks it. hasn't cleared you can't see anything well in the millennium they have when the roof is closed they've got fans at each corner that have to kind of recirculate the air because mm. it's, it's something to do with the air pressure inside the the, the the dome and all of that kind of stuff a bit like Wimbledon you know when they, when they put the cover over at Wimbledon they've got to wait for like an, uh, a half an hour after or whatever to normalise the air pressure and all of this kind of stuff so it's the same in the millennium they, they've got to keep constantly pulling the air out and pushing it in whereas 
at Parker Scarlet's because it's all out in the open. There's no there's no fans. There's no air blowing it around. Like you say, it just sits there. And there are times when you you're five ten minutes into the match and you are they running back through where the fireworks are, you know it's uh, it can get quite confusing. Yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's all down to the humidity, which which is what makes it set. But you know that that is something we should be able to forecast. You know, we we know when what the weather conditions are. We know how much fire we should really be putting on. Yeah, but just get a fan. Just get a fan that goes. <laughs> Like that, uh, you know, after they've done the the here come the scarlets, lovely jubbly, and they just get a massive fan that goes, and then it all blows away, and then all everyone's happy. Like, and you, know. and you know what? We can we could make it so that it doesn't cost anything. We get a crank candle as you walk into the stadium. You give it a good crank, <laughs> and uh, everyone who comes in powers it for you. Well, they've got all those boys sitting on those wee little bikes doing their little warmy up oh, things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's see, use a bit of bombs. See, you know? I bet you no one's thought of that until just now. <laughs> you could you could offer cheap seats. You could, you could put ten of them across the front, and if you're willing to power the fan to clear the fireworks, you get a really good seat at the front. Yeah. <laughs> so, what what do we actually make of the game? Let's talk about the game in general first, and then we'll talk about Scarlet's players. But what do we make of the game on the weekend? Martin. It was enjoyable, you know. It's uh... It it wasn't a great watch, but it, it was was a good, good watch. You know, I I can say I, I enjoyed it from when I was in. You know, on a bloody uh, in a beer garden, so that was quite nice. But yeah, the, the game itself uh, it had its moments. It really didn't didn't peak. At least it didn't peak for me. It felt like you know going through the motions a lot of the time. Mm. Other than but, the first you know, half was a bit all in nice. all, Couple of tries, win against England. You know, can't really complain. Hmm. But what do you think of the first half compared to the second half? Well, Taylor, two halves, isn't it? It's, it was always going to be. It's always the same with every international game, really. The first and second halves are always such a contrast with each other. Hmm. You either find that you're testing each other out, or you just come out all guns blazing. And unfortunately, us testing each other out just seemed to bore on a little bit. Hmm. So, Hugh, what what did you make of the amount of times that England cocked up a, a line out in our twenty two? So I think there was three, maybe four line outs. Lines lost out. five line outs in the whole match, and I, it felt like most of those were in our half. Obviously. Plumtree came on, who we came on to talk about, and he he pinched one right in front of us. He went up. It was as if he knew the call. He went up mm-hmm. and, and took it. I, I've, I'm so used to watching Welsh teams, whether it's the, the Welsh men's team or any of the regions, not being able to catch a line out to save their lives. So to watch someone have a day like that in, against us, to watch us being able to pinch line outs, like some line outs, we were throwing up two jumpers on their call. We were so confident of, of taking it. Um, it, it it was I I don't recall it seeing a Welsh line out performance quite like that, and I don't recall seeing one so bad against us. Um, mm. I think they clearly didn't have any kind of understanding of what they were trying to do between that group of forwards that they had on the pitch at that time. You know, I'd I'd, I'd be guessing as to what Borthwick's had them doing in training, but not line outs. And, and you would have thought with someone like 
Steve Borthwick as head coach, you know, scrum and line out will be absolutely nailed down week one. Mm-hmm. And no matter who they put in there, this will be that's the basis on which England progress. I, I was shocked a little. I, I was the scrum wasn't particularly dominant. Um, I think there were a couple of 50 50 calls that went against us and 50 50 calls that went with us. Um, but it wasn't like we were finding reverse gear and running backwards or anything like that. You know, if anything, there were a couple of times where we were kind of getting a nudge on England. And I just, I was expecting a lot more of a challenge from England than what actually turned up last Saturday. Mm. And, well, we could have could have got four tries in that second half. You know, it finished 20 nil, but Grady went close in one corner and obviously Zamit with his chance on the other side. That, we could have come out of that with a, with a 30 plus uh, mm. in our favour. And that would have been remarkable, you know. It's definitely not what we were expecting, was it? Um, yeah, it was It was so Warren Ball, though. It, is, it was so back to what Gatlin does best, which is uh, take your chances and then let the other team have the ball. Mm. Well, I, I was sitting there with a the boy and we were watching the game and I was going, we're, we're back to Warren Ball. And he does what you mean. I said, well, watch now. One pass, contact, ruck. One pass, contact, ruck. One pass, contact, ruck, one pass, contact, you know, and, and it was quite mundane. And then second half, we, we did start to loosen up a little. And I think a lot of that came from Costello. Um, I, I thought Costello had, had a really good game. Yes, he dropped a couple of high balls, but um, I think his control of play was absolutely superb because mm. he could, I think he saw some of the options like the, the the one for Gareth Davis's try, we start off on the right, it comes out, crossfield kick left, two rucks, crossfield kick right. Nobody does that. Do, do you know what I mean? Nobody goes crossfield kick followed by crossfield kick. And it was that second crossfield kick where we'd left numbers right and England hadn't. And and I think he's I'd like to think that he saw that. And it was such a beautifully weighted kick. You know, fair play to Wainwright. To... He left, gave Wainwright had a lot to do though. But yeah. I think I I read that someone reckoned it was a ploy because it England ended up with care on the wing, uh, facing up against Wainwright. So they they reckoned that that was a deliberate trying to manufacture that mismatch from Wales. But you're mm. right, it was it was awesome um, how Sam uh, made it happen. And your point about the high balls. So he dropped two high balls late on in the first half. First thing England did in the second half was put another high ball on him. And he caught it. Yeah. So that was like, uh, there you go. That's that's, yeah, that's all you got to worry about. Mm. So Mark, yeah, it's like, I, I think I think I counted during the game three mistakes. Two were high balls, and one was a kick to touch that didn't go out. But other than that, you know, he was he was great. Uh, he was close on drill moments from him as well. A few times he cut the line, which you know. We're not used to seeing that, are we? Being Welsh and watching, you know, rugby in the Gatland era, you know, we haven't seen a run in 10, you know, really hold a jersey for a long time. So just to see him do that sort of thing was, it it, it brings a tear to your eye as a Welshman, seeing <laughs> a number 10 with a ball in two hands running. Well, even in the, the first half, uh, Zamet's try, you know, which was pretty much the only interesting bit of the first half, he, he takes the ball, he, he drifts out, 
and then it's a beautiful little flick back inside. And I think Zamet was a little bit shocked that he did <laughs> that the ball had actually got to him because usually when when he runs that line, the outside half gets dicked and the and the ball gets knocked on and he's running in space going why didn't you pass and he's like Jesus someone's actually passed me the ball and I'm inside the 22 and 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 he stumbled and stuff but yeah I I thought Costello was uh, it'll be interesting to see how Owen Williams and Bigger react to mm. to what he did last weekend because. You know, we we know as as Scarlets that Owen Williams can be a bit more creative than what he has been of late, and we also know that Bigger isn't a particularly creative player, but he is a good controlling player. So I think it it's more about how Gatland sees the game going. Does he want someone that can break it up? Does he want someone that can take the opportunity and and see the gap, or does he want someone like Bigger? You know, and as if Hanscom's even fit. For, for any game, you know, that throws another curveball in there. But I, I can see Costello go in probably as first option at 10 from that. Well, the, the way Gatlin was speaking about him after the game when asked, it, it, Gatlin kept saying things like, oh, next time he'll know to do this or this next time he'll do something a bit better. So that suggests that he's in his plans. And obviously, if you look at the age profile of the other 10s and Anscombe going off to Japan, uh, Sam's going to be pretty much he's going to have to be in every Wales squad for a while now mm. um, just due, due to lack of other options um, but yeah I, I'm excited the other thing that I just want to pick some people up on I won't name him but there was some a prominent Welsh rugby Twitter account made a big thing out of Sam's size um, before the game and uh, <laughs> uh, said that he's too small and uh, it's not going to be funny when he gets trampled all over by um mm. The opposition players. I messaged you guys on the on the group of, um, when I saw that and said, uh, since I've been watching for the Scots, I've never seen him shirk a tackle. No. He, he always makes this tackle. And England oh. did target him a few times and mm. he brought him down every time. Yeah, mm. they, they obviously haven't watched much of his uh, Scarlet's rugby because that boy is a defensive animal. He tackles absolutely everything. Even be small in height but he is not short in stature at all he will take on anyone he's probably he was probably doing one-on-ones with Callum Afoni for the last two years you know taking him at full pelt this boy he, he does I, I can't you know say anything negative about his defensive game he, he gives his heart he wears it honestly if you see it on his face every time he goes in for a tackle he wants it He's probably got a chip on his shoulder about it, hasn't he? He's probably thinking like you think you're going to run over me. Well, you're not. He, uh, I really like that. Yeah, mm. he's he's one of my favourite players in the moment. I'm so glad he's getting his opportunity. And uh, sorry, Gatlin gave him a chance to succeed as well because he gave him Cordor on his inside. He's got Halfpenny behind him. He had experienced players to to take the pressure of him. Whereas Pivac, when Pivac tried to give Costello a chance, he would he had to give him the junk minutes against New Zealand, or he threw him under the bus against Georgia I was really disappointed with how Pivak treated Sam so uh, it was nice to see Gatland for once put out a team that gave the new caps and the youngsters an opportunity to succeed and I, that was the other player that I was going to ask about what, what did you think about Gareth Davis you know somebody that uh, 
12 months, well, not even 12 months ago, six months ago, was basically told under Gatland, probably your international career is finished because we're going with Reese Webb. And I thought that performance on Saturday was was classic Cordor, to be honest. What would you make of it, Matt? I love it. I, I love Gareth Davis, apart from the fact that uh, he's part Hulk. You know, he is... <laughs> He, he's he's a brilliant all-round player. Okay, his box kicks are never going to be perfect every single time. And there's always going to be an area of your game that you can tighten up on. But what he does, he does extremely well. And that came through on Saturday. You know, unbelievably so. You know, just picking up on those uh, those little cheat lines as every good scrum half does. And his speed of ball was impressive for me because that's normally something that I found Kieran Hardy has an edge on him. But mm. on Saturday, that ball was flying everywhere. And and I think that's kind of given him, you know, that, that that bit where you get demoted, you can either go back into your shell and go, okay, I'm I'm going to take my retirement in Japan now, thank you very much. Or you can go, no, I'm going to stand and fight. And he's the kind of player that will stand and fight. And you can see the improvement in his game. You know, the, the bit I like with him is defensively, when when he's a, <clears throat> when he's at number two or number three in the defensive line, and you can just see him eyeing up a, 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 an interception. And, and I think it was only twice where he shot the line. And once he was, you know, a couple of inches away from it, and you just think, yeah, he's back. You know, that's 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 a good for at least two or three tries come World Cup time. Just having him firing out of that line. Not even him, you know, have, have your fastest player lined up ready to just hit you uh, that three, four channel. And I just, I, I love seeing it because there's always this anticipation of, he's, you know, <laughs> And it's, uh, yeah, I, I really like that with him. So let's talk negatives. Let's talk negatives. Uh, six minutes in and Ryan Elias is off with an injury. Again. Um, so they've said Two of our hookers bust. Yeah. But I mean, they've said it's not a serious injury, but Elias has spent six months out with an injury, something like that. He comes back. I think he played the last couple of games of the season or something, didn't he? Or he was there or thereabouts, and now into Wales camp. Uh, how many times have we seen in the season? You know. Yeah. No. And, and I know Gatlin rates him highly, and I know he's meant to be this big athletic. Um, he is big for a hooker. He, he is. He is compared to other nations hookers. He is um, taller and heavier. Maybe yeah. that's why Gats likes him. Yeah, but for me. And I'm I'm gonna shoot myself for saying this now. I actually prefer Derby Lake as a hooker. Um, like he's, he's got, I know, I know. Let's just forget that he's an osprey for a second. But uh, yeah, I just I don't get the fuss around Elias. I I I think from the way that I like to see the game being played. I felt we had better hookers on the pitch when he wasn't there last season. I thought some of the hookers that we've released were probably mm. better than him to play a more expansive, exciting game. You know, we the other hookers that we had, they were generating turnovers. They were slipping balls to wingers. You know, 
And I know he's an aggressive, abrasive number two, but yeah, for me, um, I'm not. Big, I'm not going to say he's a crap player because he's not. He's, he's a highly talented player. Just for me, the type of game that that I would like to see being played. I think there are other hookers that better suit that game, if that makes sense. And it depends if Gatlin wants to go with an exciting game or Warren Ball. So, what did you guys make? Yeah, of it? I, I will agree with you. I'll, I will agree with you with Dewey Lake. I think he he, he is the future. You can see her in him. Um, you know. He, he will be, you know, our hooker for a good minimum five, six years unchallenged, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, probably even longer. But I'm knowing that you were once a scrum coach, I'm very <laughs> disappointed in your comments about Elias. Um what he offers is is a lot of the unseen work as you know, as a lot of players in the forwards are. Mm. And you know, I I know you you know making the comments of stealing ball. It, he is a very he's similar in the aspect to Dan Davis has been for the Scarlet. His work in and around the ruck slowing ball down, and it's just there's little things like that which Elias doesn't get credit for, which I, I see a lot of. He's a brilliant carrier. We know that yeah. he's great in the defensive line. He does his his basics well. Scrum scrummaging, you know, he he is probably the best scrummaging. He is the best scrummaging hooker Wales got. Even against Ken, he he'll, mm. he'll put Ken on his ass one v one in a scrum. I you know I've, I've seen I've seen myself I've seen it myself going down to uh, some of the training sessions before now, and you know there there is a lot to like about Elias, but it is more old standing. It is, you know, your less mobile front rows, and it's it's probably one of the reasons why I like him so much, because I am more of that that older style. I like I like my bread and butter. I'll do my scrum. I'll do my line out. I'll I'll, I'll tackle where I have to, mm. you know. But in regards to playing out the back, you know, being involved in the line with your hands. Okay, you are going to see more of that with them because that's just their style and it's it's a hard one to call. I mean, Gaps is never going to go for an expansive game so Elias does fit in with that. But, you know, against Dewey Lake and to say that they're better hookers around, eh, I, I don't 100% agree with that. Well, I just, I, looking at the way we played the game without him last year, I, I quite enjoyed watching us play when he wasn't on the pitch. Um but then we've released two out of those three hookers. And I think the thing is now is, so Ken's out crocked. Let's assume that um, Elias is a little bit iffy for a while. There's not a massive amount of depth, you know, throughout Wales in, in terms of hooker. Yeah. We, we, we've got through quite a lot of them quite quickly. And, you know, I thought Elliot D was okay. I thought he, he he puts himself about. He does what Elliot he does. He's like having another back rower on the pitch, um, and and he's a, an aggressive runner, particularly in space. And yeah, I think it depends on your game plan. Like you say with Gatland, if, if he's going to go tight, then yeah, you'd want someone like Elias there. But if you take Elias out of there, you know who who replaces that scrummaging old school hooker. 
I don't think we've got anyone. I think all of our hookers after Elias are the more creative, um, you know, back row hybrid sort of thing. So, what did you make of it, Hugh? What did you make of the the the, the front row and the pack and all of that kind of stuff, mate? Uh, well, obviously we had the two um, uh, novice props uh, on in the first half, and they did struggle in the first half because England were dropping all these balls, and you're thinking, well, "Hey!" And then you're like, "Oh no," because <laughs> now we've got to have a scrum and we're going to get pinged. Uh, to be fair, there were a few scrums where it did go all right. Um, I think Azarati might be a little bit disappointed. Unfortunately, I want I want the best for him. I want him to succeed, but he might be a little bit disappointed how it went. Domachowski missed a couple of tackles as well. I won't hammer players too much for missing tackles, but there was a couple where I thought should have made that one, mate. Um, but then um, when uh, Hen- uh, Henry Thomas came on, who is definitely Welsh, um, uh, he made a good impact. He had England going backwards. He had, I don't know if it was Genge at that point or the guy who came on to replace him, whose name escapes me, um, but he had them going backwards. Um, so yeah, in terms of hookers, though, I agree with with Newmar. I think Dewey Lake is going to be the future. He's obviously captain for this game coming up that we'll talk about a bit later. Um, and I think he's going to be either in the starting squad or captain of the fifteen for the next coming years. Um, and I think he's got a good chance of making the next Lions tour. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's talk about this week's game then, and and link that into last week's via. Uh, Hang on, uh, do you want to talk about Plumtree? Well, that's what I was going to say. We we can talk about how Plumtree came on last week, and is now at number eight, um, and and how that went because he's a big old boy, isn't he? <laughs> there's a there's a lot to him, yeah. and he's. I think he's got a little bit of aggression issues, if I'm honest with you. What uh, what did you make of him, Hugh? I've heard that as well. I haven't seen it, but I've heard that he is uh, abrasive, which is cool. He looks all right as well. I didn't recognise it. He's warming up on the on the touchline. I saw this guy with this curly blonde hair, and I thought, who's that? But it, yeah, obviously it was him. And um, as you say, he came on at six. Uh, and then he moved into the row, and uh, George North moved to six. So, Lee, have we found George North's position? Is he a, uh, is he a blind side? For me, George North is a water boy, and uh, best place on the side coming on to give everybody encouragement when uh, when things are down. But well, he did win a few scrum penalties as a blind side. But anyway, t- mm. so Tane goes into the second row. He did well. Look, with players, Gats. Gats always says you need to have speed, size, or skill. Two of those three. Tain has got size and skill. He is um, he's an athlete, which you can't coach necessary players to be in terms of this the natural physical attributes he's got. His height. Um, you don't get back rowers who are six foot five. Um, generally, not at test level. Um, and his ability to slot into the row. He was jumping in the lineouts. What people need to realise is since Tipperick is gone. We need another back row line out forward. Um, and Plumtree will be that. I think the other thing that people need to realise about Plumtree is that this transfer of him from the Blues down in uh, Super Rugby to the Scarlets has been a long time in the making. And 
Gatlin has been all over it. It was a big part of that transfer, I'm told. And it will have been... Uh, there's a guy here born in Swansea. If we can get him playing for a region, we can get him into the Wales team. I think people read too much into him not playing Super Rugby because I think it was... Like I said, it's been in works for a while. So I think the Blues would have thought, this guy's off, let's prioritise other players. Because that's kind of what the Ospreys did with Joe Hawkins a bit, I reckon, as well. So um, I, I think he, it looks like he's played in this game and now he's starting in eight at the weekend. I think he's on the plane to France and I think he's going to be playing for Wales a lot, which is a bit gutting from Scarlett's point of view because it means we're not going to see very much of him. Mm. Um, I'd but like I to see him at a training session in the, at, the, at the park, to be honest. I don't yeah. think he's actually picked up his training no, kit. Yeah, I don't think he's worn a Scarlett's jersey yet. No. Well, he's not even done the... <laughs> did he do the welcome video at the Scarlet's? I think he did a welcome video where they showed him walking around the stadium. I think that was him. And then the next day he's, he's in the Welsh squad. And it was like, nice to see you fellas. Lovely to be home. I'm off. It's just a crap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what did you make of him, Matt? I'm going to put this out there right now. You were early talk about him having a, a bit of aggression, being rather abrasive. I like him. But if that cameo... You know, on the weekend, is there anything to go by? I am going to love this boy. He was in it from the off. And, you know, he showed quite a bit of skill for, you know, a short time on the pitch. You know, take stealing, line up ball, you know, making a good few jackals, you know, successfully turn over. And he, he didn't take a backward step. I mean, me and you talked all last season, Lee, about needing someone in, in the row, you know, at uh, that sort of, that, that security guard, that monitor, the one who yeah, controls the, the rock area. And mm. he might not be a lock, as in, you know, starting at lock for us, you know, week in, week out, but he certainly seems that style of player that can enforce mm. the sort of conduct around that area. And, you know, especially after Shunza's performance, or should we say lack of last week, He's definitely leapfrogged quite a few places in that back in order. And I 100% agree right now he's got his ticket on our plane. Mm. The the bit I'm looking forward to him this weekend is, and, and this is something that you don't see, so I used to play number eight. And I used to love that little bit <clears throat> where you get a step forward. So the ball's at your feet, you get a step forward. There's a slight twist to the right and you're running at the 10. Your ball's under the arm. You go. You just go straight outside the, the 9 and 6 anyways, or 9 and 7 because they're too slow. And the ball, you're up, and you're running at in between 10 and 12. I would love to see Plumtree picking up off the base of a scrum somewhere on the halfway line and just going at Farrell or whoever's there and just with that aggression and going, have some of this, son. And then Farrell can hit him in the face and then not get red carded because it's Owen Farrell and then Tane Plumtree is out injured for a year. <laughs> he'd have to Don't jump a fair Stuff like I know, man. <laughs> but he'd have to jump a fair bit to actually get him around the face, to, to be fair, because he's quite... But, yeah, I just look forward to see. I mean, we've only seen Falatau do it a couple of times and you tend to see Falatau doing it with the scrum going backwards where he's got to kind of find his way out of of trouble, 
And I, I would just like to see Welsh and Bruy pick up off the back of a ruck, uh, pick up off the back of the scrum, and just go at someone. And I tell you who, I tell you who has done that before, which is relevant. Moriarty used to do that, but Moriarty, I don't know if you've seen this on socials. Moriarty is not a fan of Tame Plumtree. Oh, I haven't seen that. You haven't seen it? Have you Speaking. seen it, Mark? I'm going to take that as a no, Mark. No, Mark. Okay. Based no, no, I, oh, I was on mute to sec. I had uh, I had one of the kids, but he uh, in my year for something. Okay. Sorry, but no, I I haven't so, seen what's going on with uh with with you know that that you know scrum cap tearing vandalizing <laughs> bugger over in France. So what's so, um, the deal between them? So Morris Moriarty posted on Instagram saying, "I can't imagine how other uh, Welsh." Uh, players who play in Wales are feeling seeing Tame Plumtree run on the pitch right now. And mm-hmm. some people took the time to remind him that uh, who was it you won the under-20 championship with it again, Ross? Oh, yeah, England. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Ro- there's no question questioning Ro- Ross Marathi being Welsh, obviously, who his dad and his uncle are. But it, it was unnecessary from Mr. Moriarty, I think a lot of people would say. I mean... Mm-hmm. Tame Punchy, okay, he's grown up in New Zealand. He was born in Swansea and he plays for the Scarlets. Like, what do you want? What what more can he do for you to convince him that, that he's Welsh? I, I I just think Moriarty's a little bit uh, angry and annoyed he's, that he's, he's been overlooked. He's only been in New Zealand. Go on, yeah. come on. I'll be honest, if, if you look at, you know, Tame Punchy's, you know, his childhood and everything, he only actually moved to New Zealand in 2015. So he's only lived there for eight years of his life. He spent the rest of it in South Africa or Wales tra- and travelling around places. You know, mm. his, his father's news uh, is a Kiwi. His mother's South African. He was born in Wales. It, it really doesn't matter. He had quite a few choices for there. And, you know, he ended up in New Zealand, which, you know, brilliant for us because they've got some of the best academy systems or at least, mm. you know, player development system in the world. Mm. And, you know, we get a benefit from that. It's unfortunate we didn't, you know, take up the offer with another back rower a few years ago by the name of Shannon Frizzell. You know, everyone overlooked him when he had Welsh roots. And mm. uh, I'm just glad we're not making the same bullet, mistake though, again. Might have been a slight dodge bullet with Shannon Frizzell because he's had some off-field troubles that we won't talk about, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, maybe that was a slight, a bit of a Corey Hill sort of situation. All of that passed me by. I'll be honest. I was, I, I was just uh, way back I, then. I was just looking at what was happening. the good happening with the bad this. man. Look, look at the players he he got. Using your name up. So yeah. any, anyway, let's let's look at this weekend and. Players that you you're looking forward to see from this weekend, and there aren't that many actually on the pitch to start with. There's only really Tom Rogers and Joe Roberts that um, make a start, and I think out of those, I think probably Tom Rogers has got the most to prove, and I think Joe Roberts has has been given an opportunity to make of it what he will. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you make of those two? What are you hoping for those two from this weekend? Matt, what, what do you think? I I think, like you said, this is a big opportunity for both of them. I think it's an even bigger opportunity for Joe Roberts. I think he's got 
a chance here to nail this 13 shirt because no one has put their hand up and said, this is mine. You know, we, we can speak at length about George North and how he's not a 13. Mm. Mason Grady, okay, he he's had the shirt doing the Six Nations for a few games and he, he's looked a right in attack in sense, but defensively, he seems to have a way to go. But if you look at Joe Roberts' performances, you know, since he, you know, came back from a second ACL injury back in January, his defensive game is brilliant and he's he, he holds the attacking threat too. I mean, he shut up Lukanyuam when he was the best 13 in the world. You know, that's that's not an easy job to do. And I honestly believe that, you know, Roberts has the capabilities to really nail this shirt and, and keep it for the for the World Cup and probably for another cycle. Uh the only only harsh thing that, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed in is I I would have hoped that, you know, like they've done with the Ospreys front five, they've kept them all together. They might have said, Okay, you know, why don't we stick with, you know, why don't we put Kieran Hardy and Costello as our nine ten just to make, you know, our a few of those new boys, you know, your Rogers and your Roberts a bit more comfortable in the back line. But you know that hasn't happened. So, uh, Hugh, what, what, what do you make of well, what are you hoping to see from? I say, uh, is he eleven or so? Tom Rogers at eleven. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he was eleven or fourteen. So, is it going to make that much difference? Which wing he's on? Well, again, Harley, when I was talking to him, was saying it's going to make a massive difference. Well, that's more about the fact that he he doesn't like. Um, uh, Josh Adams playing on the right, um, but <laughs> obviously Tom's. The question I think with Tom is: Is he a wing or is he a fullback? He, he's fullback. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say he's obviously been playing fullback for us. So with Halfpenny and Liam Williams, you'd think not being involved with Wales beyond this World Cup, is Tom Rogers going to be the the next cab off the rank at fullback? Well, he's not going to play there in this game. So, I don't know. So, I think it's a big opportunity for him. I think we're stacked in the wingers at the moment, unfortunately. Um, uh, mm. What with Dyer, uh, Adams, Zamit, and obviously um, Sanjay can cover there as well. And I feel like I'm forgetting someone. Um, so, forget, he might not the get... Caterpillar. Gata... Who's the Caterpillar? I've not heard that. Cuthbert. Oh, oh yeah. I think I think Cuthbert's gone. I yeah, think Cuthbert's I not going. I think he's, he's, he's still think in. He's, he's still finished. named in the in the squad. So you know, when until he's officially ruled out, and being that he's a giant, I'm not. I'm not ruling him out. Mm. Oh yeah, maybe he is. Like if you look at it, look at his height and weight on paper, he, you realize just how big he is compared to other wingers. But anyway, so. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to see Tom. I hope it works. I hope, like you say, he's not too isolated out there, and he doesn't he doesn't get thrown, thrown um, sold up the river. I think I agree with everything you said, Mark, about um, Joe Roberts. I think he is the most natural 13 in the squad. I think Grady's obviously got advantages over him in terms of physique. Like basically, Grady's bigger than Jamie Roberts. That's how big he is. Um, <laughs> but I think Joe Roberts is a more natural centre, more natural 13. Um, 
but he is the size discrepancy is large and we've got a small midfield Tompkins and and Roberts that is pretty much the smallest pairing we could have put out Um, but yeah excited I I hope he goes well England's midfield isn't that good you know so I don't expect him to be worried at all about whether it's Ollie Lawrence or actually you know I don't want to go on about England too much they dropped Guy Porter right from their squad Apparently, Guy Borges <laughs> is going to play this game because Borthwick doesn't want to risk to a laggy. That's how, that's how things are going over there. Anyway, so I don't think you'll be worried about wow. England centres. Um, so I, I just I hope he goes well and I hope he doesn't get injured. And Joe, Joe Roberts was so vital to us last season. It's literally like the two halves of the season. Yeah, we were crap in the first half, good in the second half. What happened in the second half? Joe Roberts was there. You know, it's literally that stark. Um, so, yeah, but I'm hoping and praying. I'd love to see him be the 13 going forward. I think he's, for me, I think he's behind Grady at the moment in Gatlin's thinking. But this is me thinking what Gatlin thinks rather than what I think. Um, but, yeah, a good show here. And I think he's, he can do himself a lot of favours. I, I think the thing with Joe Roberts is he spent the last four or five seasons working alongside Foxy yeah. and Foxy's really Foxy's almost a coach every now and again at the sky. He, he, he's really yes. good at imparting knowledge and encouraging other players and, and bringing people on and, and Scott Williams as well you know when he's not in, in plaster so I think having the defensive um, time with Foxy puts him ahead of George North. I think that's that's where my my issues with George North are are defensively and creatively. You know, George North doing a sidestep or maybe four or five that I can remember. Whereas Joe Roberts jinking, getting out of tackles, you know, is he tackled, he's up, how did that happen? You know, the, and that was just let's say in half a season. So for me, I think this is a massive opportunity for Joe Roberts to really not just put his name on the sheet, but stamp his name as the number one 13. Um, I, I agree with you about the size of Grady. And I think that is an issue, particularly if you've got, you know, if you imagine Costello, Tompkins, and then Roberts, and you go like, ah, oh, someone let the youth team out to play, boys. It, it, yeah. it's a, you know, it's... But I think we've got to make that work in our favour. I really do, because... I think we've got more creativity. Sweet, you are. Say that again, Mark. And does you know? I'd love to get those three apart together. Be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just think with the size of, I think it's going to be horses for courses. When, when you know, Gatlin will pick and choose when he's going to go with Grady and when he's going to go with Roberts. But I, I definitely think this is his opportunity Grady, and he only needs Grady's two got three. the... Yeah, sorry to cut across yeah. you, mate. Grady's got the chemistry with Llewellyn as well. Um, obviously, both coming from Cardiff. And mm. I think Gaz likes Max Llewellyn uh, um, a fair bit as well for the same reason. Um, but he's, he's not putting him on the... He's not playing, is he? Llewellyn. No, no but, he played last week. He didn't hear. But I think... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, he's he's not there. And when Grady came on, it was a little bit of who goes where for a couple of minutes and stuff like that, wasn't it? So, 
yeah, we shall see. We shall see. So, yeah. can, can we get on to the the most exciting Scarlet <laughs> player we're going to get to see this week? I was about to say, you know, chances are coming off the bench, Kemsley Mathias and Kieran Hardy. And that's who you're looking forward to seeing. Isn't I it? thought you were going to say Via Fafita for Tonga. Actually, that's nice. <laughs> I'll look it up in a minute. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we, no, we've done plum tree. I, I, I can't wait to see Matthias on the pitch. Mm. Same. If he scores a try, I'm going to go mad. <laughs> yeah, it's Sam Parry, Kelsey Matthias, and Dylan. Is it Dylan Lewis? Yeah, Dylan Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I didn't think he was selected. So, I think we know what we're going to get from Hardy. I think we know where that will be. I think we know that there's going to be a... You can't take your eyes off him. There's going to be a couple of tap and goes, which is what I think we need to break up, you know, sides like South Africa and New Zealand. We need to not play into the kind of um, expectations. And, uh, yeah, we need to break the game and do the stuff, and Hardy's the guy for that. But, yeah, Kemsley Mathias had a superb second half to the season for us. Can you see him working his way into this side? In all honesty, you know, after seeing both Domkowski and Nicky Smith on the weekend, I I've put, you know, Matthias in he was already on the plane in my mind. You know, not not anyone else is in my mind. He is <laughs> You know, we he's out, he's in our twenty three years. Him and Gareth Thomas are, are my my twenty three loose heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, seeing both of their performances last Saturday, he has actually climbed a few steps without having to do anything. The only issue I have is because of those performances, I feel that uh, Gatland has given him a very uh, a very short step, giving him mm-hmm. probably the weakest. You know, weakest. Hooker and weakest tight head to go on with, so he's going to have a hell of a job when it comes to scrummaging if he's going to make an impact because he's got to carry those two. Mm. But having said that, you know, let's say uh, let's say someone goes down injured in the first ten minutes and he gets a full seventy minutes on the pitch, you know, that's 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 where he needs to be really because he is that kind of player that grows into a game around the pitch and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I definitely think in, in the same way that Wynne Jones came from nowhere four years ago and established himself as, as one of the best props in, in the UK, I, I think I can see Kemsley Mathias coming and doing a similar job over this World Cup. I really can. I think he's got the strength, he's got the fitness, he's got the power, he's got the aggression, he's got the technique. Um, he can pass, he can run, um, you know, he's, he's, he's got a massive beard, he's not got stupid hair, he ticks a lot of boxes for me in those <laughs> kind of things, like, you know, so, yeah, I'm, I just hope he gets a decent crack as well, I hope he gets a decent crack on that. Well, what do you make of him, Hugh? Yeah, again, I hope he gets a decent go, it's a good point about who he's coming on with, uh, would be the slightly weaker. Um, I think I we got. I I know we're the Scarlet Supporters squad. I hope we have at least one Ospreys listener who's just heard Martin completely dismiss Nicky Smith. I, think, <laughs> I just want to see the see the rage. Um, yeah. I think I think 
he's fighting for the third spot behind Thomas and Smith. Um, I've been wrong. I, I think does Gats like Nicky Smith, or is he one of the ones he 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 likes to get rid of? I can't remember. Um, I think I he think... likes him. I'm not not a hundred percent, but you know he's got like forty odd caps, so I'm pretty sure Gats does like him. But he was under a lot of pressure to include him, wasn't he? He was because he he dismissed him for the Six Nations, and he was under a lot of pressure to include Nicky Smith in the training camp. And I I thought Nicky Smith had a pretty decent game um, last weekend. I'll be honest, but it depends. I say it depends on Gatlin's game plan. You know, does he want to try and? Stick a pack that can run through South Africa and France, which that's got to be a pretty big, big pack to try and do that. Or does he want a pack that's going to outthink, outsmart, outrun, you know, do some things differently that confuse them and 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 they can't defend against it, you know? And and I think that's where Kemsey Mathias comes into it, where he can actually think around the park as well. And I think that's what we miss on the pitch pretty much 1-15 to 15 a lot of the time is people who can think about the game and go, like I said, with Costello going kick left, kick right and, you know, having the, the clarity of mind to go, OK, I've left three players out on the right, they've only got the one, bang, there goes the ball, regardless of what the the game plan says. You know, having somebody that can go, you know, I, 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 this scrum was a little bit weak on the, on that last one. I'm going to really go for it now. I'm going to tuck him and twist him, and and their props off. Like you know, that's that's what you want from a modern day prop. So, I, so. I don't want to brag up another thirteen other than Roberts, but that's exactly what Grady did at points last week, especially when he took the option to pick and go from a ruck and almost went over himself. We don't see that sort of individual thinking is sort of that automatic I have to secure the ball not I can move yeah. this ball myself or I can take it on we don't see yeah. those sorts of brains anymore but that's yeah, when Grady was playing the big... in the forwards Grady came on and went into the forwards <laughs> and the first thing he did is he picked the ball up and ran 15 metres and everyone was going shit is, is that what we are we allowed to do that did anyone did yeah. anyone check if we were allowed to run 15 metres of the ball it'd yeah. be good to see him there Right, let's uh, let's wrap this together then, gents, with a couple of predictions for this weekend. So, Martin, score predictions for England versus Wales in Twickenham, second World Cup warm-up game. What's your thoughts? Oh, thoughts are Borthwick is going to be steaming. He's going to be so angry with these boys. You know, not just the fact that, you know, we dominated, you know, basically the whole game in the scrum or the line out. There's going to be a bit of a backlash. I'm I'm looking at there and I'm 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 always going to back Wales, same as I always back a Scarlet. It, it, even though you know I might know it's going to go the other way, I'm still going to back ourselves. I'll go for something like 27, 24 Wales. 20, 2720, yeah, or 2724? 2724. Oh, okay. It's narrowed it to three already. Hugh, what's, what's your prediction? Uh, normally in these World Cup fixtures, if one win, one team wins one, the other team wins the other. Mm. Um, and I think Borthwick 
can't afford to lose. I think the I I got told by someone who got told by someone in the English press that the press are very close to turning on Borthwick. Um I think he can't be he can't be losing not at Twickenham in a World Cup warm up match against Wales. So I think England will do enough. I don't think it will be pretty. I think it will be I think England I think Wales make lose but I think we'll come out of the game with more credit because we're playing the experimental side. So I'm going to go um, 26-22 to England. See, no, I'm... (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I'm thinking that actually England are in a much worse position than people give them credit for. I, I think that there are so many issues inside the English game as a whole. Um, and they, they've been pinning their hopes on, you know, the World Cup's going to come around a, bit, a, a, a little bit Welsh, you know, uh, we'll have a decent World Cup and we can forget about all the other issues in the game. And I think that the issues within the English game, within English players are so deep. Um, I don't think it's a happy camp. I think all the changes, the you'll go in, you're in, you're out, you're in the hokey cokey squad system um has really not worked for a lot of those players. Um so I'm I'm gonna go that England are actually just gonna nuts this up. I, I really do. England are gonna they're gonna come out and they're gonna go right, we're gonna take them on up front and we're gonna do all this stuff up front and we're gonna match them. And then we're going to move the ball out and actually we're going to start scoring tries and England will implode. So I'm going to go for a very brave prediction of exactly the same score as last week is is my prediction. I'm going to go wow. 20 points to nine for Wales. Um, and like you say, I think a lot of people in England are ready to turn on Borthwick and a lot of those players. And it will be an absolute pleasure to sit back and watch another international side just beat themselves up eight weeks out or six weeks out from a World Cup. Because this, this this is what we do in Wales. Traditionally, around about this time, we sack our coach, we get rid of five players, and we go, right, we're going to bring in a whole load of new players that nobody's ever heard of from New Zealand and Granny Gate and all that kind of stuff. And it would be nice to see England do that instead of us. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I, for one, will be sitting back, unfortunately, just with a glass of water, but I will be sitting back and watching it happily on that. So um, before we finish up tonight, gents, before we finish up, I'm going to just gotta say a couple of thank yous to myself, uh, uh, not to myself, from myself, for um, over the last couple of weeks. So for, for, for those of you that don't know, I had a bit of a spell in hospital. Um, I got quite serious uh, at one point and I just want to say thank you to uh, to YouTube for um, keeping spirits up uh, uh, as we go along um, uh, and obviously the boys on the on the rap podcast as well for, for the same thing um, you know wife and family all of that goes without saying but until you go through something like this you don't realize how just how impactful it is on everybody around you so I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that's helped with my care um particularly everyone on on board four at Willie Bush um 
genuinely I would not be here, not just tonight, but I would not be here at all if it hadn't have been for some of the people on Ward 4 um, pushing my case. So uh, a massive thank you to them and a massive thank you to everyone that sent me messages. Um, it, it does make a massive difference. And just to be back on the pod, yeah, it was one of the first things that I wanted to do just to get, you know, they, they, they tell you, get your life back together, try and find some kind of normality. And I just thought, do you know what? I could just sit there and talk crap about rugby for a couple of hours and I'd be I'd be as happy as could be. And uh, so for that, gents, I thank you again. And on that note, we shall catch up and do this again next week. We shall discuss the England game and preparations for the South Africa game and anything that comes out of the Scarlets. And on that note, I shall bid you farewell and good night. All the best, gents. Good night. Cheers. Cheers, Lee. Good, good night, man. Cheers. Cheers. Nice talking to you, boys. See you again. listening to this week's show please subscribe and share as it really helps to grow the scarlet's family you can contact us in all the usual social media platforms or on scarletspems at gmail.com join us again next week for more of the same and in the meantime enjoy your rugby sports social podcast network